Miss Kayla. <clears throat> did you hear that or did it phlegm up? My name is Kayla. Thank you. Nice to meet you. There's a lot of new faces. I have not gotten to you, but I, I want you to know that um, welcome for first. And we are just really excited that you're here. Um, online, welcome. Good morning. This is Britt. For those of you who don't know her, I've asked her to come fill this space. She is an encouragement to my heart and I know to Deej's heart. And I hope that she's an encouragement to you this morning. But I know that our Father is encouraged by the worship that we are going to bring as a body this morning. So let's just worship our Father. Jesus, we love you so much. You are the reason that we come. We need more of you, Father. So we ask this morning that you have opened our hearts already. I believe you've been working all week for this moment that we have come together as a body. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Leave no space between us and you, Father. Have your way in this place, Spirit, come.
This passion in my heart, this stirring in my soul, to see the nations bow, for all the world to know, I'm living for your glory. I'm never looking back I surrender all I'm living for your glory On the earth Yes, Jesus, we love you This passion in my heart this stirring in my soul to see the nations bow for all the world to know i'm living for your glory on the earth come on church it's for the sake of the world Burn like a fire in me, light a flame in my soul for every eye to see. For the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. For the sake, sing it out. For the sake of the world, Burn like a fire in me, light a flame in my soul for every eye to see. For the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me, like a fire in me. It's this passion in my heart this stirring in my soul to see the nations bow for all the world to know i'm living for your glory on the earth let's sing that again this passion this passion in my heart this stirring in my soul to see the nations bow for all the world to know i'm living for your glory on the earth it's for the sake of the world burn like a fire in me light a flame in my soul for every eye to see for the sake of the world burn like a fire in me and for the sake of the world 
it's bandaging the broken, washing filthy feet, here I am, Lord, send me. If it's loving one another, even when we don't agree, here I am, Lord, send me. If I'm poor or if I'm wealthy, I will serve you just the same. Here I am, Lord, send me on the or the valley I'll choose to pray here I am Lord send me here I am Lord send me if I'm known by how I love let my life reflect how much Say. Yeah. 
glory I'll be glad I chose to say here I am Lord send me well done good and faithful I live to hear you say here I am Lord send me here I am Lord just have a seat for a second. So, 2 Corinthians. Oh, hi, I'm Joey, by the way. Hey. Hey, Derek. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is a reminder Mostly, I read all of that to talk about giving cheerfully, not out of impulse or compulsion or uh, stress or this guy up here telling you we take money at the church to run the building and, you know, pay staff. So I don't want that to factor into it. I want your sacrificial generosity this aspect of the Holy Spirit in you to burn and to push out a giving. So let me speak over your ties and prayers right now. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the generosity. I thank you for this, uh, this aspect of humanity, this part of you that you've given us, that we give freely joy, knowing that is for the spread of your word that we can um, that we can bless others but also uh, to keep our family in, in, in a good house so Father I ask for your blessing on the tithes and the offerings of everybody here and uh, in Jesus name going to summarize some announcements. Oh, in the ways that we give, I'm sorry. I was probably behind me, but you saw the box, the mailbox, online, and uh, the Church Center app. Um, I'm going to summarize these uh, announcements, but I'll come back after service and remind you, because there's a couple things here. So on August 28th, we're going to have a pop-up to the next grade, grade level. For all of our kids in Kids Life, uh, we are having a celebration for them. 
Um, it'll be in-service celebration, and the kids will be graduating Kids Life. Uh, this is for kids that are graduating Kids Life. Uh, so, like my son, Oliver, he, uh, he will be, well, next year, actually. <laughs> He'll be too old. But my other two daughters did this, yeah. So, uh, that'll be on August 28th. So, if you never bring your kids, that's the day to bring them. Uh, also, our New Life's basic class will start, will be on Sunday, September 4th. Uh, so, if you're interested in serving, or if you just want to know what we're all about and what we believe, come. Pastor uh, Angelo is going to come speak. It'll be like 10, 20 minutes, hopefully, probably. <laughs> Depends on how many questions you ask. Uh, so yeah, that'll be September 4th. Table gatherings, super important. If you guys are asking about life groups, what are we doing? We're doing table gatherings. And maybe a rooted class in the near. I gotta sort out the dates. But table gatherings, a spiritual practice devoted to growing as an apprentice of Jesus Christ. I think we are here for that. So any questions you have, please reach out to Pastor Angelo. Manoariba. And his email is is it up there? I'm going to spell out your name. AngeloShowerman at gmail.com. <laughs> you can also find information about table gatherings, and that, that'll be it. You'll get a link there uh, at our website, newlifeastoria.com. I will come and repeat this at the end of service. And if you have any questions at the end of service, please ask Pastor Angelo. Because I'm going to be busy, and Renee's going to be busy. We have a baptism. So, we're going down across the way. The Astoria Rec Center has a boat launch, and that's where we baptize. So, after service, we'll give you another direction into that, but uh, that's what's happening. So, it's very exciting. Thank you for your patience. We have more musical worship, right? Please rise. stood before creation eternity in your hands you spoke the earth into motion my soul now to stand you stood before my failures and carried the cross for my shame my sin weighed upon your shoulders my soul now to stand so what could I say Please. 
it's yours all we have all our dreams it's yours it's yours I'm caught up in your presence and I just want Just want you. Nothing else. 
Remember the first time you stepped into church and this was weird? Like you didn't understand why people were singing the way that they were and maybe you thought that that was just a religious act instead of an act of true worship. I just want to encourage those of you that this is not normal. It will be if Jesus becomes your Savior. And it'll be exciting for you. I only say that because when I started bouncing around to churches before we found one, before my wife found one for me, we, uh, I was weirded out by all these happy people singing songs to this deity that I knew of, but I didn't really know personally the way that I should have. But there came a point in time when Jesus Christ actually became my Savior. And then I couldn't stop singing. I just dare you to try to shut me up. (laughs) In any aspect of what I'm doing. Let's pray. Father, help those that don't understand to see this is not strange. This is what happens when the Spirit of God moves inside of us. We just can't help but give you praise and honor and glory. If they understood what heaven was like, now heaven, the angels just run around saying all the time, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we're just practicing here, but one day we're going to stand before an almighty God. We're going to be in his literal presence. And we're not going to be able to help but sing praises to his name. We're not going to talk about anything that we accomplished, Father, because we've accomplished nothing. But we're definitely going to talk about how amazing that you are. We love you. Encourage our hearts at this time. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. My wife's here today so I can say y'all. Good morning, church. Say to somebody to your left or right, you're sitting in a great spot. Because it's right next to me. We're going to deal with pride today. No, that was a joke. You guys didn't get that. That didn't go over as fast as or as well as I thought. What do you do when you're unsure of what God's doing in your life or if you even understand or believe that he's doing anything in your life or when what he's doing doesn't make sense when you want to follow him but you are unsure of kind of how to do that and kind of unsure of why he's leading you the way he's leading you when the prophet Samuel went to find the next king of Israel uh, from the children of Jesse he found the oldest He chose the oldest, the wisest, the best. But God told Samuel that he was looking at things wrong. God told Samuel that he looks at the heart, not the hands. See, even when God looks to people to choose to call to him, when he looks for people to choose to send into ministry to serve him, it's never the ones that you think that he's actually calling. We think he's going to choose the oldest, the wisest, the best looking. Okay, I got one fan. You want that? We just celebrated 13,870 days of wedded bliss. 
every time I uh, sneeze, she says, bless you. And I say, every, every, from the moment that I met you and every day since. I've been blessed by So I, I just have to sneeze just so I can say it. Okay, you didn't need to know that. That was, that was kind, of, kind of personal. God doesn't look at things the way that we look at things. Isaiah tells us straight up that God doesn't see things the way that we see, him, see them. His ways are higher than our ways. The Apostle Paul never would have been chosen to pastor a church in America. He had a bad reputation of throwing Christians in jail. I don't know, that'd make you a little nervous, wouldn't it, if the pastor has that reputation? He had a bad presentation. He couldn't speak well. You know, he writes all these wonderful letters, and they're powerful, and they're weighty, the Scripture says. But the truth is, he couldn't preach very well. He had a bad physical condition. He had a thorn in the flesh. And some say it was his eyes. Some say it was just his stuttering. Some, you know, nobody really knows because God didn't care to show us those things. But nobody in America would choose him, though he would be the greatest pastor you could ever have. Amen? I mean, who wouldn't want the Apostle Paul to pastor you? He wrote most of the New Testament and started many early churches. I mean, come on, this is a guy that had it all together. God doesn't do things the way that we do. So that's hard because we think about God. We think in ways that we think, not the way that God thinks. And so when God speaks to us and tries to lead us and guide us, we're often thrown off by the fact that he's not thinking our way. So the big lesson today about faith is that God doesn't do things, or God does things that don't make sense, which should make us question our ways, not his. But we let our ways creep into our faith, and so it just kind of screws our faith life up because God's trying to tell us things and try to guide us and lead us and encourage us and help us. But because he doesn't we think the way that we think, we don't think that he's telling us what he's actually saying. So we're going to look at this idea of God not doing things the way that we do things through the life of Gideon. We're going to kind of, like I said with Moses last week, there's a lot that we can be talking about, about the life of Gideon. But I'm just going to skip over some things because there's some things that will bring out this point to give you some understanding. And that's what I want to do today. Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, if you want to turn there. Or we'll have it on the wall. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the, the terabith, which was just a big oak tree that they used as a kind of a, either a gathering point or a marking point. So everybody knew where the oak tree it, it was. It was the terabith at Ophrah, which belonged to Jonah, Joash, the Abazite. I can't say that name right. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. So Wine presses are not where you beat out wheat. So that's where we find them, in, in the wine press. And it was a place of hiding because the enemy would come and they would steal all the wheat. And so he was trying to thresh the wheat in a place where the enemy wouldn't find him. This allowed him to stay hidden from an enemy who would come in and who would take away all their, their food and their animals. And so he was trying, he was hiding. It's important to recognize just real quickly, Gideon's a fearful man. Gideon's scared. He's not confident at all. He's hiding. 
Some of you are hiding. You're afraid. You're afraid about this God thing. You're afraid about your marriage. You're afraid about your financial situation. There's just a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety in this day. Amen? Amen. Kind of hiding in the wine press where you should be out in the right spot. He was a fearful man. But the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. God says to the guy who's hiding in the wine press, I'm with you. And he calls him, O mighty man of valor. Gideon wasn't perceived as a mighty warrior. He was running from a fight, not running to a fight. Would that describe you? That you have a tendency to run from a fight, not to a fight. That God sees you a certain way, but you see yourself a different way, and so you, 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 you get skewed in the way that, that you hear God speak to you. He wasn't a mighty warrior. He's a weak, scared farmer. He wasn't a leader of men. He was a runner from men. Again, he wasn't running to the battle. He was running from the battle. And yet God sees him a certain way. Can I just help you with something? God sees you differently than you see you. God does not see you the way that you see. His ways are higher than your ways. His view of you is probably way higher than you would ever even imagine. How many of you struggle with how you feel about yourself and you just doubt yourself and you get discouraged about yourself all the time and God's saying, I don't see that in you. Judges 6.14, the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the band of Midian. Do not I send you. What might? What strength does he have that God sees? He's a weak, scared farmer who God says, You're a mighty man of valor. And he says, Go in this might of yours. But he's got no might. He's got no strength. He agrees with this assessment and makes this statement. He says, He said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. You ever speak that out to God? Me? Are you talking to me? I'm the wrong guy. I'm the wrong woman. I'm the wrong person. I I don't have anything that you think I have, God. My family is the most messed up family in the church. You ever think that? You come into church and you see all these perfect little families that you don't really know very well? (laughs) And you just assume because they got them corralled a little bit better than your kids are? They got something you don't have? Wait till you get home. (laughs) And I'm the weakest of the weakest. I'm like, I'm the I'm the last, like, like when we if we're gonna play uh, prison ball, I'm the last one to get picked. Now, if you don't know what prison ball is. You're probably under 40 because they made it illegal to play prison ball. Can't throw hard rubber balls at people's faces like you could when I was a kid. And no, this nose didn't come from that. It came from a horse. So just. Have you ever spoke that out to God? Are you talking to me? My family's not the strongest. It's not the best. It's not the most perfect. 
And I'm the weakest of the weakest. See, this is a typical response to God. When God sees something in you that you don't see, that makes no sense to you. Moses said to God, who am I to stand before Pharaoh? Who am I? I think you're, you're picking the wrong guy, God. Jeremiah said, oh Lord, I do not know how to speak because I'm only a child. It's normal. It is normal for us to not think as high of ourselves as God thinks of us. It's normal. Because we know all of our weaknesses. We know all of our problems. We know all of our issues. And so does God. God sees you. He understands it. I know you've got all the excuses to not hear from God, but understand that all, and, and you understand all your weaknesses. And it doesn't make sense that somebody in hiding, somebody who's afraid, somebody who's fearful, would be challenged by God to lead an army. But God knows things about you that you don't even know. One day I hope in heaven God reveals to me all the things that I didn't think that were true about me. That he said, this is what I saw. This is, I saw your heart. I, didn't, I wasn't looking at how you looked on the outside. I was looking how you were on the inside. He said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and appointed you a prophet to the nations. God knew things about Jeremiah that Jeremiah didn't even know. And God knew them before he was even born. If God knew that about Jeremiah, God knows that about you. He doesn't see all, just all the bad stuff. He sees some good stuff in you too. I mean, if you were all bad, you wouldn't be here. You're just partially bad. Okay, that didn't go over well either. I didn't come to church for this. See, God knows what you can and can't do. The question is, do you trust him? He knows what you can and can't do. Do you trust him? Story goes on to say in Judges 6.16, the Lord said to him, but I will be with you and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Do you know that's a common phrase that the Bible uses that we don't actually live by very well? You know to Moses, God said, certainly I'll be with you. That's Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12. To Jeremiah, God said, don't be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. That's Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 8. Do you know to Jacob, God said, I'll not leave you until I've done what I promised. That's Genesis chapter 28 and verse 15. To Joshua, God said, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. To the church, Jesus said, I'll never, I'm sorry, Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even on the end of the world. Amen. I'm going to always be with the church. God says to us, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. There's this theme in the Bible that God says, I'm with you. Why are you so worried? Why are you so scared? Why are you so afraid? If I'm with you, what do you got to worry about? God's promise to all these men and women is God's promise to you. I am with you. I am for you no matter who or what is against you. Now, after some intense conversation with God that involves false gods, idols, angels, fleeces, 
that everyone wants to talk about that part of the story, but we're trying to deal with the issue of God doing things that don't make sense to us. So Gideon calls the men of Israel to join him, and 32,000 men show up. Now he's against an army that's about 120 to 145,000, but 32 men show up. This is about 25% of what he needs, but he knows that God's with him. So let's look at this in dollars and cents. Let's say, and if this is true about you, I didn't know that. So this is, I'm not using your personal story. But let's say the government says you owe them $125,000. And you have $32,000. That's okay. That's, that's good. That's a, that's a good start. You can work with that. Can, can you not? You owe 125, you got 32, that's a good start. You know, you can use that to kind of pay it down or maybe invest it and find ways to don't buy lottery tickets with it. <laughs> He's got 32,000 men, 25% of what he needs, yet he knows God's with him. That'll work. We, we can work with that. Then this happens. Judges chapter 7, verse 2, the Bible says, The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give, into the Midian, give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, with my own hand, my own hand has saved me. So he goes on to say in verse 3, Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Starts with 32. God says, too many. Because if you win with 32, you're going to brag about how awesome you are and you're going to take my glory away from me. And so I want you to, I want you to go to the ones, go to everyone and say, hey, if you're afraid, go home. And 22,000 went home. So now he's got 10,000. Let's just say you thought you had $32,000 and your wife went out and bought makeup. <laughs> and it was $22,000 worth. I'm just saying, I, I, I had to think of something. That's all I had. But now you got 10. But 10's okay because God's with you, right? I can work with 10,000. I mean, it's better than nothing. And very few people have 10,000 in the bank anyway to pay the government. But you got 10,000. So he's down to 8%. But God's still involved. It's a stretch, but God can do it. Have you ever been in that place? Where it's a stretch. You know, God can do this thing. I know he can. We, we, we can make it. I got 8% of what I need. But it's better than nothing. And then this happens. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. You still have too much money. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And anyone to whom I say to you, this one shall not go, shall not go, or shall go with you. And anyone who do I say to you, this shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said, now this, this, this is God's idea of trying to figure out who to go with him. The Lord says, Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, anyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped... And putting their hands in their mouths were 300 men, but the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. Come on, can't you give me the 9,700? 
I feel better about the 9700. I'm more confident in God with the 9700. It's not 120,000, not 125,000, but it's better than nothing. But but he leaves you 300. Now, if you owe 200 or 120,000 dollars, 125,000, and all you had was 300, how confident would you be in yourself to be able to pay that off? You would not be confident at all. Starts with 32,000, goes to 10. Now he's down to 300. I'm going out and I'm buying $300 worth of pizza. Because it might be the last meal I eat. <laughs> before I go to federal prison. Gideon was facing a great army. Is a scared farmer who had never led an army before. He was the lowest family and the lowest of the family. And all he had was 300 men to defeat an army of 120 some thousand. Have you ever said to God, my enemy is just too big? This is too much. Your marriage is broken and your spouse is done. My enemy's too big. Your addiction's overwhelming and you just give up because you just can't win. You've convinced yourself that there's no hope, so you live in depression and discouragement and doubt because there's no way you're ever going to get out of the situation that you're in. The enemy is just too big. Can I make a statement? God is not intimidated by your enemy. God is tougher than your half-hearted spouse. I am here because of a woman who believed by God that God would change my heart. And without her saying a word to me, God changed my heart. She said a lot of words to God. God said a lot of words to me. I surrendered to the God of, 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 of heaven. I didn't even know she was praying for me until three years later when she made a joke because I was making all these spiritual changes in my life. I was trans transitioning as a, as a Christian man and I was telling her, well, I, I love to pray now and I love to go to church and I want to serve and I want to be faithful to God and I love the word of God. And she would just say, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> until the day she said, I prayed for all those things. But you have to have a, a wife who so believes in God that God is bigger than the hard-hearted husband. Do you? Do you? See, she believed that the scripture taught that, that holiness, not hollering, is going to change her husband. That's what 1 Peter chapter 3 says. See, God's already made a way to escape the temptation of addiction. It's 1 Corinthians 10.13. God's already made a way. The question is, do we trust him? I didn't say this was easy. Sometimes your enemy's overwhelming. See, it takes faith that God is bigger than your enemy. When was the last time you said 1 John 4, 4, little children, we are from God, or you are from God and have overcome them. Not you will overcome them. He already sees it as you've already gained the victory because you're of God. Because you're a child of God, you've already got the victory. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. When was the last time you quoted Romans chapter 8 verse 31 that says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, 
who can be against us? I mean, when was the last time you actually looked at a problem in your life? You looked at something that was overwhelming and you just said, you know what? God's for me. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to stress over it. God's got this. This is bigger than me and I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody and I'm a nothing. But this, this God that I believe in is big enough to handle it for me. I'm not trying to minimize your enemy because it seems very big. But God is bigger than whatever problem you have. God is bigger than any enemy that you're facing. God is bigger. The problem we have is we don't have faith that he is. We keep looking at how little we are and forget how big he is. Now the story goes on. That same night the Lord said, Arise and go again, down against the camp for I have given it into your hand. Let me stop real quick. Read this separately. Arise, go down against the camp for I have given it I have given it into your hand. God just says, go down to the edge of the camp. I've already defeated your enemy. But if you are afraid, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. There's two things here. And I believe God does this in our lives all the time. There's two options. You can take the direct, direct option. God said it. That settles it. You can just trust and obey God. You don't got to try to figure it out. You don't got to try to balance it out. You don't got to try to make sense of it. God says something, you just do it. You just believe it. You just follow it. But if you're afraid, there's a directed option. That means you trust and obey through others. And that's not bad. It's not bad trusting the word of God through the, through the faith of other people. But at some point in time, you're going to have to take the direct option. The direct option was easier. You just go and trust God and you do what God says and God will do what he promised. Do you believe that today? Okay, maybe we don't. The second option meant that he had to get so close to the enemy that he'd hear, hear their conversation. See, we like to run from our enemies. We like to run from our problems. We like to run from our issues. God says, I want you to get closer to them. I want you to get so close you can hear their speech. Judges 7.11 says, Then he went down to, with Pura's servant to the outpost, the uh, armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number as the sand on the seashore in abundance. And Gideon came. Behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade, and he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came, in, came to the tent and struck it so it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. That was the dream. And his comrade answered, This is other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. When we read that, we read that in the story and we know the ending, so we, we kind of play with it a little bit in our minds. But the reality is, think about this. If somebody came up to you and said, I want you to get close to your enemy, so close to your enemy that you can hear what they say, and your enemy has this dream. The dream is there's a big loaf of bread rolling down to my tent, knocking it over, flattening it. How many of you think that must be what God's saying to him? That must be the word of God to this individual. 
No, it's like he shouldn't have eaten so late that last night before and been hungry for bread the next day. But see, if you think that's strange, the dream's strange, think of the interpretation. Your dream can only mean one thing, Gideon and the army are going to come and defeat you. I mean, that was his interpretation of the dream. Is that not strange to you that he interpreted it that way? We know because we know the story, but again, if somebody came to you and said, I had a dream of a big loaf of bread rolling down into the tent, knocking it over, flattening it, you would say, oh, oh, of course. That means Gideon's going to get victory over the Midianites. That's exactly what that means. Think about this. Only God can give your enemy that interpretation. See, when God deals with your enemies, he deals, he deals with them in ways that will help you. It, he involves your enemies. See, you think you've got this enemy and God's not working on them. Let me tell you something. If they're an enemy of yours, God's working on them. God might be speaking to them in crazy dreams. And they might be interpreting it exactly the way that God wants them to interpret it. And this crazy dream gives Gideon courage. And the Bible says as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation... He worshipped. Why did he worship? Because God did what he said he would do. When was the last time you worshipped because God did what he said he would do in an enemy that you faced? And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. I like being around people that believe that God can do greater things. I like being around people who, who will share their victories over an enemy with me because it gives me hope that there's victory over my enemies. But the plan gets a little worse for me. Because none of this makes sense. Now, we, we read it and we say, well, that, that makes perfect sense. Of course, because you read the story. But if you've actually experienced God in this way, it won't make sense to you that God's speaking to your enemies. I mean, it made no sense to me that my wife was praying for me. I thought I, thought I was making all this great spiritual movement on my own. I mean, I was getting holy on my own. I didn't know God was listening to her prayers and then speaking into my heart. So the plan gets worse. That's Judges chapter 7 verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them in empty jars with torches inside the jars. No swords. No slingshots. No spears. No arrows. Nothing sharp and pointy. And he said to them, look, to, look at me and do likewise. And when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all that are with me will, then will blow their trumpets on every side of the camp and will shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the 300 men that were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. And they, they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars in their hands. And all three companies blew the trumpets and broke their jars and they held in their left hands the torches with the right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and Gideon. And every man stood in his place around the camp. And the army ran. And they cried out and fled. And the scripture goes on to teach that what the enemy did was destroy itself. That makes no sense. That you would face an enemy, put your faith in God. And God would destroy your enemy for you. But not only would God destroy the enemy for you, God would make the enemy destroy itself. That makes no sense at all. 
I mean, 300 men blowing trumpets, breaking jars, exposing torches, and an enemy many times greater. 120,000 men died killing each other because 300 men did some crazy plan that God put in place. See, the crazy plan that God's putting in place in your life might be, be crazy to you, but it's not crazy to Him. The question is, do you have faith to believe God? A friend of mine knew I was recently going through a specific battle, and she shared this verse with me. And I wrestled with it for a little bit. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 17. You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm, hold your ground, and see the salvation of the Lord in your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you, and the Lord will be with you, and the Lord will be with you. Isn't that the promise of the scripture that we read already, that God's saying that all the time to his people? I'm with you, 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 I'm with you. If that was spoken over you by God, would you have the faith to obey it? You don't need to fight this battle. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Hold your position. Don't quit. Don't fall away. Don't give up. Or would you try to figure out your own way? I think we do that a lot. We try to figure out our way to get out of problems, the enemies that we face. We try to figure out how to defeat them in our own power. And we're not very successful at it. We're successful at anxiety. We're successful at fear. But are you as successful as you should be at faith? I mean, asking a weak, scared farmer to lead an army. Like, what if God today wants you to do something that you, you would not imagine? He wants you to lead a great army. And he tells that farmer that there's too many men to win the battle. That makes no sense. Because we, we, we want to figure out how we're going to have enough to, to defeat the enemy that we have. We, 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 want 120, we owe 120000 to the government. We want 250000 to pay the bill. That's where we're comfortable. That's where we're safe. That's where we're good. He instructs Gideon to trim that army down by their style of drinking water. What is up with that? I know someone's going to come up with some wise reason why they, they chose, he chose that. It still doesn't make sense. I've heard it said it's because the men who drank with their hands and, and lapped like a dog, they were paying more attention to the other. I don't know. It doesn't say that. I just think this is a weird idea. Am I the only one that thinks this is a weird idea? Choose the men that go with you by the way that they drink a glass of water. I mean, if they drink it and they get it all over themselves, don't choose that guy. I mean, what's, it makes no sense to me. Using a dream of a loaf of bread to encourage you. I know the smell of bread freshly baked encourages me. But a dream of fresh bread rolling down and knocking a tent over and that gives you the interpretation that God's going to give victory to, to Gideon? Teaching them to use lamps and trumpets to defeat an enemy? Am I the only one that thinks that you need a sword or a spear to defeat your enemy? 
And then an enemy that destroys itself. I mean, wouldn't you love to see your enemy be destroyed by themselves? Like they destroy themselves. You don't even have to fight that fight. Whatever that enemy is. This is why the Bible says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. You know, I can say a few more things. What's God's plan for your finances? Give more of it away. That doesn't make any sense. God's plan for your finances is to give more of it away. That makes no sense at all. But that's how God works. What's God's plan for your response to someone who's hurt you deeply? Love them, serve them, pray for them? No, I'm supposed to be mad at them and cut them off of Facebook and not talk to them anymore. And not go to church because they're going to be there. They're not going to present themselves the right way. But the scripture teaches we're supposed to love them, serve them, and pray for them. What's God's plan to have the best life possible? Die to yourself. Not make it about you. That doesn't make sense. If I want a happy life, I'm supposed to take care of me. No, no, no. That's not how God works. That's not the plan for God. What's God's plan to be the greatest in the kingdom? Be the servant to everyone. See, even the teachings of God don't make sense to us. Which is why we struggle to obey them. Because we just, doesn't make sense to our world. We want to look at things through the lens of our, our, our world and our ways. But our ways are not his ways. See, you need to have faith that God is greater than even you and your fears. Faith that God is greater than your doubts that you have what it takes. God is greater than Your thoughts over God's thoughts. God doesn't think like us. God is greater than your enemies, no matter how great they might be. Is God greater than your enemy that you're facing today? The medical diagnosis that you got, is God greater than that medical diagnosis? Is God greater than that financial situation? Is God greater than the problems you're having in your marriage? Is God greater than that? Is he really? Then let's put some faith into him. Let me read one passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. 1 Corinthians, Ephesians. You guys are awful quiet today. I got to put my glasses on because I can't see. Ah. And what shall I say? What more shall I say? For the time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. Who through faith conquered kingdoms. Who through faith conquered kingdoms.
enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword, and they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy wandering in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. The history of the Bible is a, a, a group of men and women who believed so strongly in God that they put their lives on the line trusting every word he spoke and lived by every word that he spoke. And they defeated some great enemies. Read the whole New Testament. It's pretty cool how God gave victories to Israel over and over and over again, no matter how sinful they were. I just want to focus on four words. Who through faith conquered. What do you need to get victory over today? What problem? has been following you? What struggle have you been having? That if you just believed what the Word of God says, I don't know what the Word of God's saying to you about whatever your situation is. I just know this. If you trust God, He'll keep His promises. He'll be with you. He'll fight for you. Why would you want to do it your way? Your way is not going to solve the problem. Your way is not going to defeat the enemy. Your enemy might go away for a little while, but he'll come back. What doesn't make sense to you? I've been trying to push this idea of if God is real, why aren't we living as if he is? Why aren't we living according to our faith in what, how awesome God is? We, 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 some of us have this little tiny God that has no power. It's all powered in religion and relationship, not in righteousness. What word has God given you that you need to trust and obey? What has he said to you? Did he just want you to step into that enemy? not question him and not challenge him just just step into it and see what he can do what word has God given you what's he said I just want you to obey me I just want you to trust me I want you to just step out in faith and believe that I'm bigger than whatever problem you're facing I could sit here and find a multitude of people who could give you story after story after story of how God gave them victory over an enemy that was so overwhelming. And they're nobodies in the scheme of things. Yet God chose them to defeat enemies in their life. Don't give your enemy so much power. God is greater. 
Don't give your enemy so much presence in your mind. God is greater. Don't let your enemy overwhelm you when God is greater. Be overwhelmed by him. Be overwhelmed by what God can do. Don't be overwhelmed by what Satan can do. Satan can't do anything without asking God permission. The only power he has is the the fear you give him. That's why the scripture says, submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. But we give him so much credit. We give him so much power over our lives. We give the discouragement. We give the doubts. We're not enough. He is. Can I help you with that? God is enough to defeat whatever enemy that you have in your life. God is big enough and powerful enough and strong enough and smart enough to know exactly how to defeat him. And all he asks you to do is have some faith. Trust him. Just trust him. Just put your life out there and say, here I am, Lord. Send me. I'm a nobody. I got nothing. I got this enemy that's so big, I can't, it's overwhelming. But you've made a promise to give me victory in my life through Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust and obey. I know it doesn't make sense. But it's not your way, it's his way. God is enough. Let's stand, please, if we can. He is God is what enemy are you facing? What problem are you facing? What struggle are you in? You just need to come up and say, Lord, I'm just going to trust you with it today. I'm just going to trust you with it today. Let's pray. Father. It is so easy for us, Lord, to think that we know the right way to deal with our problems. When we should just trust your spirit that's speaking to us right now. That if you would just cast our cares upon you because you care for us. You'll help us defeat those cares, those problems, those struggles. I don't know what they are in the room, Father, but I know that there's people in this room that have some enemies that they're facing right now. And they have no belief in themselves to get victory over it through you. They don't believe you choose them to give them victory. It makes no sense. They're a nobody. They're a no one. And yet you want to show up and you want to save them from themselves. Father, let them confess today that they can't defeat this enemy and they would repent of trying to defeat the enemy and they would respond by surrendering their problems to you today and then step out in faith and just obey what you say obey what you say obey what you say that today they would trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus Sam says we believe that today Father in Jesus we pray if you've got a problem that you're facing 
Just come up and give it to the Lord. I don't know what it is. I don't know how big it is. I don't want you to be embarrassed, but just step out and lay it out. Say, I can't defeat this enemy. I can't get victory over this. I, I think you're calling me to challenge you, God. I think you're calling me to trust you today. place and go to watch a baptism which I'm very excited about young lady who trusted you to be her savior and wants to show the world she's not ashamed of Jesus Christ father 
she laid down her problems to trust you as Savior. Why do we pick those problems back up, Lord? Because you see us greater than we are. You see us clearer than we see ourselves. And you're not intimidated by our problems. Let us be a people, Father, that have so much faith in you that there are no problems that discourage. There's no problems that make us doubt. We just get into the fight by faith. Even when it doesn't make sense. Encourage your hearts today, Lord God, as we leave to watch the baptism or go home. Let us check ourselves. Do we have faith? Or are we unsure? Do we really believe that you are who the Bible says you are? Or are we unsure? Help us to have faith in you today. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said one last time. Amen. Joey? I just wanted to remind you of those few announcements we had. Kids pop up August 28th, uh, in-service celebration. Um, our New Life Basics class, please check that out, September 4th, uh, right after service on Sunday. And table gatherings. If you want to change your family's life, if you want to get closer to God through your family element, maybe another family as well, go to newlifeastoria.com. You'll see a link there with uh, Pastor Angelo's email. We'll get you hooked up. Thank you. We'll see you down by the river. God bless you.